from seventh to first in the final event, you are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals! The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifting goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. What a legend. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for an athlete interview, our final episode of 2023 and our final episode of a non-Olympic year for at least 12 months. We're this close to 2024. Paris is just around the corner and our guest today is a real shot of winning a medal at those Olympic Games. Leon Saranovic, Australian Taekwondo athlete, coming off a bronze medal at the 2023 World Taekwondo Championships in the men's lightweight division. The first time Australia had won a medal of any colour in any gender at the World Taekwondo Championships in a decade. And a real shot now at taking that form into 2024 at the Paris Olympics, where not only does he hope to use that to win a medal at the Olympics, but also break Australia's drought in Taekwondo at the Olympics. It's been 24 years since Australia last won a medal in the sport of Taekwondo at the Olympics. That was at Sydney, the debut of Taekwondo. Lauren Burns, of course, famously won the flyweight gold medal, and Daniel Trenton took out the silver in the heavyweight. And Leon goes over his amazing career so far, still very young, only 21 years of age. And he talks a lot about Daniel Trenton in this interview as well. We've obviously talked a lot about Lauren Burns in the past, but of course, Daniel Trenton winning that medal as well. So he talks a little bit about that. He talks about his journey throughout the sport. He went to the London Olympics as a 10-year-old and basically talks about how that used as a bit of an inspiration for his Olympic dreams. And then his very quick fire progression through the sport. Leon achieved a lot at a very young age and potentially could have been at Tokyo, but things didn't quite work out that way. But in basically two world championship appearances since the Tokyo Olympics, finished in the round of 16, lost to the eventual world champion, and then a year later, in the exact same part of the world championships, round of 16, faced that guy who was the same person who knocked him out round of 16, the reigning world champion, beat him on the way to winning his bronze medal. So, Plenty to cover here in this great chat. Leon goes over everything and just also the hopes towards going towards Paris next year and just what it would mean for the sport of Taekwondo as well if he was to return to Australia with an Olympic medal around his neck. It's a great chat. You're going to get a lot out of this one. Sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Australian Taekwondo athlete Leon Saranovic. A couple of weeks ago, we brought back the sport of Taekwondo here to Off the Podium. A great chat with Stacey Heimer. And to end the year out this year, we are going right back to Taekwondo with an athlete who has had an incredible 2023. Right at the very right time, if you ask me, heading in to an Olympic year. For the first time in 10 years, an Australian won a medal at the World Taekwondo Championships. And this man did it. He got a bronze at the World Championships in Azerbaijan earlier this year. Not only was it the first medal for an Australian athlete at the Taekwondo World Championships in 10 years for a male athlete in nearly 25 years, creating a big drought broken and really giving him a boost ahead of Paris next year. And outside of that, we are talking to a multiple Oceanic Championships medalist, 
top 10 in the world, Pacific Games medalist, national champion, you name it. This guy's got it on his resume, and I'm so excited to learn a little bit more about him and his career. Pleasure to welcome off the podium, Leon Saranovic. Leon, welcome off the podium. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on here because it's a very exciting time for, for Taekwondo in Australia, and I can imagine a very exciting time for you. Uh, how... Just let's just start off with 2023 for you. I mean, did you January 1st, 2023, think that we'd be uh, talking at the end of the year going like, wow, world championship, bronze medal, <laughs> top 10 in the world, you know, all the achievements you've had this year. I mean, it's been a pretty epic year for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely been a fantastic year. I, um, I've always said like, like last year, this year as well, like I've always said, I know I'm capable of being at that level of, you know, being top three in the world, like well, coming top three in the world championships and winning these big medals that I've won this year. Um, however, knowing that I'm capable of doing that and then actually doing it, it's very different. So I've always known like I'm capable of that, but I guess just, um, I don't know, like January 1st, like this year, I, I knew, like I, I kind of went into the world championships knowing, like almost having that feeling of knowing that I'm going to, you know, secure a medal. But again, like very realistic in the fact that everyone's so good overseas, like all these guys are weapons. And it's just like, if I, <clears throat> sorry, if I, um, if I don't perform well, or if I'm not focused on the day, all that, like all the hard work and all that self-confidence doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, it just all depends on your focus on the day and stuff. And I guess I've been able to put those performances together several times this year and it's gone my way. I, I love hearing that mentality and kind of that, that confidence, because I can imagine in a sport like Taekwondo where it's very like, it's very physical. You're fighting, you know, you kind of need that confidence in combat sports, don't you, when you go up against an opponent? Yeah, 100%. Definitely need that confidence. Like, if you watch other combat sports, like, you see, like, boxing and stuff, everyone's, like, supremely confident. Um, for me, it's, like, a balance of both. Like, I'm very confident in my abilities and then, but I'm also, like, going into every fight, I'm not thinking, like, I'm going to win. Like, I'm definitely going to win. It's just that mentality of, like, if I fight how I know I can fight, then I know I'm capable of beating anyone. But, in the same sense, if I'm not focused, if I'm not fighting well, I'm capable of losing to anyone. So, you you, you started at three, if I'm not mistaken, in in Taekwondo. Yes. What what drew you into such a young age? I mean, three years old, getting allowed to kick people that must be fun. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it was pretty fun. But um, yeah, so I was starting when I was three. I was um at the YMCA with my dad and my sister, and you could kind of just see like through the window in like one of the rooms a Taekwondo class going on. Um, we just thought like, oh, well, they thought I was really young, but they were just like, you know what, let's like try to get him involved in something like a martial art or a sport or something so um, coordinated as a kid, I guess. Um, I just never looked back. We had, your family had much experience in it? Were like, were any of your, your parents, brothers, sisters, were they involved in any martial arts at all? Um, not previously, like not prior to like when I started, but then when I started, um, this is kind of funny, but. When I started, I used to like always look out the door or like where my dad's sitting, just kind of just like do something and look, like try to get my dad's approval, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> but um, so I'm like, we'll get in, see if I'm doing well, I'll keep going. Um, and then like I'd always get told off for doing it. Um, <laughs> and eventually my dad's like, you know what, like if I'm going to get this stuff happening, I'll just join the class and it'll make life easier. So wow. he joined the class, he got a black belt. Wow. Uh, and then she kind of just stopped. He kind of just did it because, like, you know, to keep me company during the class and stuff because I was really young. And then um, just kept going until he got his black belt and then, I guess, stopped. Wow. Well, that's all right. Go and get your black belt. I did what I yeah. needed to do. There you go. Did you ever get to, you know, take him on? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I was, yeah, sometimes. Did you win? Did you win? Uh, 
I was young, so maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. <laughs> Might have gone a little bit easier on you just because you know that was. Young. Let's, were you much sporty in other pursuits? I mean, uh, you know, being a Melbourne boy, AFL, or sort of other sports, or was it kind of taekwondo and, and nothing else? Um, no, so like when I was in primary school, played footy. Um, yeah, played footy for a bit. Stopped just basically because I wanted to like, focus on taekwondo. Like it was getting to a point where. Um, I'd picked up like more sessions in Taekwondo and then I had to kind of just prioritize and say like, what do I actually want to, you know, focus on? Cause I want to, like, I knew I wanted to make it in sport. I didn't want to just do it. So, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. Where am I going to make it? I felt like I had a lot of potential in Taekwondo and just like focus on that. And then also around like year six, year seven, like played volleyball for a bit. Um, and then, yeah, it was always Taekwondo though. It was always like, that was always a focus. And I, deep down, I always knew like, that's where I wanted to thrive. i got to ask the big question then, just on the footy side of things. Yeah. AFL team, who's your team? North Melbourne now because... Ah, okay. That's, that's, I, I, I react that way because to me, it's not a team I often hear people say. I grew up in the 90s when everybody was a North Melbourne supporter, right? Whereas nowadays... I, I very rarely meet a North Melbourne supporter. So I like that. I, you know, you guys are on the up, right? Like that's kind of what the, the MO is with Clarkson and all of that. <laughs> yeah. I've never been like, I've, I haven't been like a huge footy fan. I just like, I used to watch a fair bit and then I stopped because just like, we always train on Friday nights and mm. what a big games on Friday night. And I kind of just like stopped watching it. Um, but yeah, I was a Saints boy and then um, had a mate that got, had two mates that got drafted to North. So I just thought not, I don't care that much about footy. So some people are going to get offended by that, but I don't care that much about footy to like, you know, root against my mates. So I was just like, you know, I support them. I, I, I can respect that if you're not sort of like a diehard Saints supporter and it's just like, ah, oh, no, screw this. We're never going to win and then do that. But I, I, I totally get it. As, as a Carlton fan, it's just like ride the bumps and then eventually you get through it, hopefully. So see how that goes. But that, that progression then, so ultimately kind of going up through the ranks, uh, I believe, sort of uh, as you were going through that, you end up getting uh, a scholarship essentially where you end up being coached by 2008 Olympian Ryan Canelli, which uh, obviously I can imagine was a, a big boost for you at, at such a young age. I was 13, I think, at the time when you uh, you first came along with Leon. Yeah, yeah, just sh- going straight into high school. And and what was that like then as sort of at such a young age to uh, to – to have Ryan be able to sort of assist you, how much did that help you at that age to kind of go towards where you are now? Um, yeah, well, he was a massive help. Like, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't be anywhere, like, in terms of where I am now without him. But, um, yeah, so pretty much I used to do a, um, so there's like two federations or different rule sets in Taekwondo. There's um, there's ITF Taekwondo and then there's World Taekwondo. Um, and World Taekwondo is the Olympic style, but I used to do ITF. Right. Up, up until I, like, got into Maribyrnong Sports Academy, which is where I got the scholarship with Ryan. So before then, I was just doing ITF. Um, when I got into Sports Academy, um, Ryan, kind of, like when, as I was training with Ryan, he um, just said to me, like, you know, if you ever want to come to the club, get extra training in, whatever, you can, you're welcome to come. Um, and the training we were doing at the Sports Academy was the Olympic style World Taekwondo. Um, and I kind of just fell in love with it. Like I enjoyed it a lot and I fell in love with the Olympic dream as well. Cause um, obviously there's no, like if you become like a world champion in ITF, there's nothing after that. Um, there's, you know, but here there's like Olympics, there's more publicity and more everything. So um, made the switch and trained with Ryan. And yeah, I guess like Ryan's, like I said before, Ryan's been a massive help. Like 
is like extremely smart coach, very like very good at um like adapting to the person who is coaching. So like you know he will know how to tr- treat every athlete and get the best out of them. And he's definitely been able to do that with me throughout years. I was gonna uh, I'll touch on the Olympic uh, dream that you mentioned just there, but can you briefly explain the key differences between the ITF and then say the Olympic style of Taekwondo? Yeah, so um the point system's different. So like you don't get extra points for spin kicks in ITF. Um, uh, you can punch the face in ITF. Wow. Um, yeah, but then it's like it's not full contact, so you can't just like throw a haymaker and drop someone. It's um, it's more point fighting based. Um, yeah. Um, in whereas in like the Olympic style of you can kick, punch, do anything as hard as you want. If you knock someone out, like it's not frowned upon at all. Like it's not frowned upon at all. It's encouraged, I guess, if you can do that. So. It's the main differences, I guess. And is that then, so when you're at the World Championships, is that still ITF or is that Olympic style? I know, that's Olympic. So now I'm solely competing in the Olympic style. And and so just on that then, so with athletes who maybe say stick to the ITF form, is that just because maybe they're better style at that? Because I can imagine, you know, you're used to something that maybe I don't know how that transition works. But if an athlete is to stick to the ITF, is it just a case of maybe the Olympics don't really mean that much to them or they just, they prefer sort of that discipline over what would get them to the Olympics? Um, yeah, it's just, um, I guess it's just dependent on the person. Like some people might not have an Olympic dream. They just want to like compete or they want to like, ITF is very, very traditional. Like it's very traditional and um, very much so about like getting your belts and stuff like that. Not that World Taekwondo isn't, but World Taekwondo has like also a big like sport base. Um, and then a lot of people go down the avenue of really focusing on the sport aspect of it. Um, whereas with ITF, it's more so traditional. So there's some people that like will prefer to focus on the traditional style of Taekwondo and that, that will mean that they don't have a reason to move to World Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. And some people, yeah, the fighting style would just suit them better. Like, cause there's differences in the fighting style. Like as soon as you can punch the face, it changes a lot. Fascinating. Fascinating. I wasn't aware that that was a, that was a thing in Taekwondo. Yeah. I mean, you touched on the Olympic dream. So was that. Did you have that sort of before that transition or was that sort of with the help of Ryan, as you were saying, when you made that transition, you're, you're hanging out with a guy who's gone to those Olympics and then all of a sudden that maybe clicked a light bulb in your head that this is a possibility? I um, always had an Olympic dream, like, like, but I knew I wasn't in the Olympic style of Taekwondo and I also didn't know how to make that transition. There was no like, smooth way for me to do it. And I guess it just really organically happened through the Sports Academy and through Ryan. And were you, like when the Olympics were on, were you watching them? Sort of, was this something that sort of prior to that, that like every four years you'd be glued to that TV and maybe it was Taekwondo that you were paying a bit more closer attention than some of the other sports? Um, once I got into sports academy and started training more with Phil Taekwondo, I watched back like the Olympic Games, fights and stuff like that. I watched um, one that I've like, watched a lot is like Daniel Trenton fighting. I've like, watched it on YouTube like, a million times probably, especially when I was younger. Um um but yeah and then i from and from the age of i'm guessing i don't know exactly but maybe like 15 16 when i really started getting super serious about it and like seeing where i could actually end up i just been like you know watching fights a lot like a big like grand prix world championships olympic games just like studying fights studying people that i might one day be fighting um yeah i i'm glad you brought up daniel because i mean <laughs> i to age me a little bit leon i i, I vividly remember Sydney I was 13 you know obviously absolutely hooked with it and everyone obviously remembers Lauren's gold and fantastic but I think sometimes people but probably outside of the taekwondo community forget that we did win another medal in taekwondo at those olympics and I remember when Daniel won that silver 
because I think that was at that point of the Olympics where Australia was on such a high. We were winning all these gold medals. It was great. So when he made that gold medal bout, we're all like, oh, he's another gold, easy. And then obviously ultimately got the silver. But it was still amazing because that was, of course, the first Olympics that Taekwondo was at and it was just so good. So I'm glad that, you know, that's an inspiration for you because I feel us non-Taekwondo community people who talk about the legacy of this sport in the Olympics need to talk a bit more about Daniel alongside Lauren's achievements, of course, at those Sydney Olympics. Yeah, no, definitely. I've, I mean, I've watched both and like I look up to both of them so much. Um, yeah, for me, it was just like the fight style like, was just very entertaining to watch with Daniel and that's like another thing that got me hooked. Um, you got a chance, had you had a chance to sort of talk to both of them and sort of uh, get some get some um, feedback yeah, or advice or anything like that from them? Yeah, I've met both of them. I haven't, like, haven't really spoken in terms of like, feedback and advice too much, but I've definitely gotten to, like, gotten to know, I've like, spoken to both of them. They're both like lovely. Um Daniel actually came in a few weeks ago or a month ago. I'm not sure exactly, but I came in to like, watch a session, spoke to the team a bit. So that was really good and kind of got everyone in high spirits. But um, yeah. Because is it, is it a bit of a case of like they walk into the room and, and everybody's like, oh, there they are, like, you know, kind of these two historic athletes in Australian taekwondo. Because obviously we, we talked a lot when we had Carmen back on a couple of years ago and then obviously with Stacey around sort of, you know, what's happened in the sport between now and Sydney. But it's more of a case of I can imagine, as you say, like, they're an inspiration to so many people because they have achieved uh, the highest possible form of uh, medal in Taekwondo. Yeah. Um, I don't like, it's hard to say, I don't really like, I don't want to sound arrogant. Or anything. I don't really get starstruck anymore. Like I, I kind of just like, I'll acknowledge and I'll, I'll, I'll have like tons of respect for both of them. But like when I meet them, it's kind of just like, but well, I'm just happy to like, talk to them, be in the same room as them. Like, it's a pleasure. But yeah, it's not like, um, like, struck by it or anything like that's just that's just them they're just they're part of us we're all the same now no i totally <laughs> totally totally get it that that progression though that you sort of made at such a a young age i mean you're winning multiple national championships gold medals at oceanic championships and you're still basically a kid you you know 16 years of age at, at that point you know, was there any possibility looking towards it? We're obviously going to touch on sort of around the Tokyo period, but were you kind of thinking of that with that progression, sort of that that was a possibility and kind of what was that mentality when you're achieving those sort of things at such a young age? Yeah. I've always been like very ambitious, like probably more ambitious than like anyone, like that even like if I'm being like super realistic, kind of honest with myself, it's almost like I'm more ambitious than what I can actually achieve, even though I, I genuinely believe I can achieve those things, but it's more like, I, if trying to figure out how to put it into words, but like I'll always dream really big and I'd rather like dream really big and come up short than undersell myself and like, you know, not aspire to do something like great. But um, I definitely had that in my mind, like uh, qualifying for Tokyo, but also it was like a very big mountain to climb. Like I was very young. There were other people that were ranked much higher than me and performing overseas really well. So, um, yeah, no, so I, um, that year, so Olympics was meant to be in 2020 and the selection, uh, the selection criteria was based on tournaments in 2019. And in 2019, there was just like everyone, uh, not everyone, but like the people in my divisions performed, that outperformed me and, um, they were older and stuff and like, you know, they, they had great years and congrats to them. But, um, that was definitely like a dream. It was a very ambitious dream, but, um, yeah, I thought like, you know, why not give it a crack? And obviously didn't didn't work out but now hopefully hopefully i can qualify for next year well going into 2020 though winning a bronze at the dutch 
open. Uh, I'm sure that obviously ticks off quite well on the on the resume, but then obviously with COVID and everything that kind of happened and the setbacks for Australian athletes as well. So had that been a normal year in terms of an Olympics gone ahead in 2020, were, were sort of winning bronze medals at events like that helping? Or as you're saying, it was mainly about the 2019 results, so therefore that wouldn't have really kind of helped that case had the Olympics gone ahead as planned that year? Um, it wouldn't have helped my case because the selection selection was based off performances in 2019. Right. So um, that wouldn't have helped my case. But yeah, like, it was like once I, once I kind of knew I'm not going to the Olympics, it was fine, just put it behind me and then look ahead and try to keep performing and I guess I, you know, formed by the Dutch Open. Which going sort of back to what we're talking about with um, sort of, you know, looking at these athletes and kind of, you know, the way you kind of approach them, when you're then watching Tokyo and these are athletes, they're your teammates, you know, on, on the national squad, what's that like then? Is it a different perspective to watch these people that you're training with, working with and that a little bit and cheering them on from the other side of the world versus the previous Olympics where maybe that was more of a pipe dream going, wouldn't this be amazing one day? Yeah. No, definitely. Like, you know, like the other ones, you kind of feel like a fan. You're just like watching and you want them to do well. Whereas when they're part of your team, like it feels like it's not taking any credit, but like if they do well, you feel like you were involved in it. Like you feel like, you know, you helped prepare them and it's like you're more invested in it. Um, so definitely watching like the people in the showing team last Olympics, like, you know, really wanted them to do really well. Felt like I'd, but, you know, tried to try as much as possible to help them train and prepare for the Olympics and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different feeling for sure. And given how we can watch the Olympics now, obviously during those Olympics, Channel 7, you can log on to 7 Plus and you've got every single sport. You can just like literally sit there and have the Taekwondo channel on 24-7 if you want. Is that basically, have you got all your computers set up, but basically on the big screen, you've got just the, the Taekwondo on all the time. So it's not just the Aussies, you're you're watching all the other events and, and just hooked to it for that period. When the Taekwondo is on, I'm only watching Taekwondo, but... um. When it's not tough on it, I'll watch other events here and there. Um, but I'm definitely like when the tough one is on, I'm, I'm just all I'm watching is tough one. I'm not, I'm not got any other screens up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, it must be again unique from that perspective that you can do that and just kind of just constantly keep an eye on it as well. Because I think from a perspective, I'm sure you're mentally taking in and watching, particularly in your division, right? You're watching these people who you are fighting against, and I guess learning and maybe helping that towards strategy when you have to face these guys at your next tournament. Yeah, exactly right. Like a lot of the people that, oh, at least some of the people that I've watched at that Olympics are people that like, I've fought now. So like one of the bronze medalists from Tokyo is someone that I fought last year in Saudi Arabia at the Grand Prix final. And I just like, remember watching them at the Olympics. I've watched them at other events as well, but you know, someone like I've watched at the Olympics thought about like, how do I want to fight this person? And then, you know, a few years later, fighting, fighting them. There like, they are. You- yeah, that's 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 crazy. Twenty twenty two though, you get to go to your your first world championships. Also, we're going to touch a little bit more on on this year's world championships. But you make the round of sixteen in your yep. uh, uh, first ever world championships. You lose to the guy who eventually wins the gold medal and, and becomes world champion. I always love that if you are getting eliminated, like go out to the guy who's going to win, right? Like that's kind of what you want because you know <laughs> that kind of uh, at the end of the day might feel a little bit better uh, after that. But what was that experience like and to get to the round of 16 in your very first world championships? Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I was disappointed. Like I wanted to perform better. Um, my first two fights, I felt, felt all right. I felt good. Um, mentally going to the tournament, I felt good and everything, but I felt like the moment got to me a bit because it was my first world championships. And usually I like to think I perform really well under high pressure situations. Um, but yeah, that world championships, I think it all got to me a fair bit. Um, and 
that fight in the round of 16 that I lost to against Spain, the eventual gold medalist. Um, yeah, I just didn't fight my best at all. Um, made a lot of mistakes. Just was kind of just lost during the fight. Um, but yeah, I guess it was a really good experience. Like I'm glad that happened to me because I learned so many lessons from that. And I like after that tournament, I completely changed my mindset going into the next year. Um, stuff like so going into that tournament, I was just very lucky. You know, I want a medal. I want to perform. I want to. I want to win a gold medal or at least medal. Um, and after after that performance and how I performed, I kind of realized that I need to dumb it down a bit or like simple it down a bit and approach it one fight at a time and one round at a time. Because like with, with our fights, it's a round system where if you we lose the first round 10-0, but then win the next round 1-0 and then the round after 1-0, you win the fight. So just really approaching it like two minute rounds at a time. If, if you win or you lose, doesn't matter, put that round behind you, reset, and then just really simpling it down. And then that kind of made me be able to perform better. So, and yes, yeah, just helped me throughout this whole year. Kind of like tennis. If you drop the first set, you've, exactly. you've still got a few more to get back into it. What you, you mentioned sort of about that, that first experience. I mean, was it like pressure, like sort of once you got to the world championships and you realized the scope of it, what do you think it was that kind of once you were there that it had affected you in a way that you weren't expecting? Pressure, I think I built it up in my head a lot, um, like my expectations of myself at that event, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Like it's a good thing if you can like kind of embrace it and like use it to fuel you in the correct way. But I let it eat me up a bit. Like when stuff wasn't going my way during the fights, um, when I started losing, I like panicked a bit and didn't fight smart. Um, whereas my approach was very different into this world championships. I had the same ambitions this world championships, but um, just like I stayed patient, maybe like my decision making was better because I was able to just stay calm in the moment and like stay present. And is that something that in that period between 2022 and 2023 world champs, are you not only obviously working on that with your coach on the physical side of things, but do you work with the sports psych and kind of on that mentality side of things to try and overcome that? Um, to be honest, I don't really see a sports psych. Uh, it's something I've thought about, but I feel like I've been doing really well with my mindset. Um, I, 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 it would definitely help, but I, I feel like at the point, I mean, I'm very comfortable with, with how I approach every tournament. I go into, I really don't get pretty nervous going into any tournaments anymore. And I'm very like, I feel very calm going into fights. So, um, but it's definitely something I spoke about with my coaches because, um, you know, they have so much experience up fighting, but both my coaches, they're like elite as athletes and had big results overseas. Um, so I know like I can trust them. Um, so like any advice they give me about how I should approach the tournament or, the tournament or how I should feel um, going into it, I really take it on board and I find that it helps me a lot. With all that in mind then going into into the 2023 champs this year, is there also a level of, as an Australian, and this is only your second world championships, there's maybe not as many eyes on you as say some of these other athletes who are expected to do well and does that kind of help you in a way to kind of be a bit of a, an underdog that no one's really watching me. So I'm going to show the world what I can do and maybe you should be watching me instead. Um, I think that maybe like broader Australia didn't expect me to like do so well, but I feel like the people that know me or the people that train with me knew like that I was capable of doing that as well. Um, which, and obviously there's other people on the team that were very capable of achieving that result as well. And it just happened to me, it happened to be me this time. But, um, as far as the underdog thing, um, not, to be honest, it was more. 
that didn't really cross my mind to be honest. It was more just um, I was very very dialed in going into this um, this this world championships, just focusing on myself, my performance, stuff that I can control, um, like really simple stuff down, and didn't think about any external stuff at all to be honest, um, which I think helped me a lot. How how quick is the tournament? Because obviously you, you you got all these different rounds in a day, right? So like if, between say your first match, like how long do you have between you win that first one and then you're into the second one? Like what's that process, that turnover? So it's usually like two fight. Like after every two fights, there'll be like a lunch break or like a break, and there's like one or two hours before fights recommence. So um, after so I'd say like after your first fight, you've got maybe like an hour to two hours maybe before your second fight. Then there'll be a break, but then the next two fights, the gap between them will be not that long. Then there'll be a big break going into semis. If you win your semis, then you get a again, you get a longer break going into finals because throughout the tournament there's like six courts. Mm. But then when it's semis and finals, they all get condensed onto one court, which makes the day go a bit solid at that point. Um yeah. Which, how do you, is it like an adrenaline, obviously you're training yourself in a way knowing that there's that quick turnaround. It's okay, one, one, next one, next one, next one, next one. And I can imagine that once they sort of, the gaps get a bit bigger, is that worse or is that still you're sort of, you're preparing for that? You kind of know what that's to come. Um, the, I mean, the gap's always good because, you know, if you're tired, like if you've had a hard fight, you want to be able to rest and recover your body and just refocus and game plan for your next fight and, because you don't know, like, by the time you're in your fourth fight, you don't know who, like, you can't even plan for who's going to be in that semi-final or that quarter-final because anyone can beat anyone. Um, but, yeah, so I feel I prefer the longer break, but, again, like, with the shorter break, well, with the longer break, sometimes you get a bit of an adrenaline down post with the shorter break. I know, like, between, at, at this tournament now, the World Championships, uh, my gap between my round of 16 and my quarter-final wasn't that long, but... I feel like that almost worked in my favour because I didn't have this big adrenaline dump because like I'd just been world number one reigning world champ, but went nuts after. And then it almost like I almost didn't have that time period to like be like, oh shit, that just happened and then like crash before my next fight, which worked in my favour, I guess. But Well, I've got to ask about that because we talk about 2022, round of 16, you go out to the eventual world champion. Now, uh, Daniel Casada from Spain. 2023, you come up in the round of 16 against Daniel Casada from Spain. Uh, so the guy who knocked you out the previous year went on to win the world championship. You're up against him again. What's that thought process when you realize, all right, let's do this again. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> um, to be honest, I felt really confident going into it. Um, one, because I, I, I knew how I needed to fight against him. Um, yeah, I knew, I knew how I needed to fight against him because I know exactly what mistakes I made and like so much of my time after that World Championships was devoted to like improving fighting people of that style and like not letting, not allowing what happened to me at that World Championships to happen to me again. Um, so I felt very confident going into it, knowing like I felt very comfortable knowing that I'm fighting someone I've fought before um, and I know how to approach it. And also like I'd fought him another time prior to that World Championships where we had a very close fight at the Belgium Open. So I knew I was capable of fighting well against him and I knew again, how I needed to approach that fight. So I felt really confident, but, and also I guess I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, not in a bad way, but more as just like incentive and motivation of just, you know, thinking like, you know, this guy got me last time, I have to get him back. Um, and I guess it worked out. Well, what's that feeling like in a, in a match like that though, when you obviously, you take the first round, then he comes out and wins at seven, nothing. But as you're saying, like 
it's a sport where you can get done seven nothing and then still come in and do that. You're pipping by two in the last round to go through to the quarters. But I mean, do you remember sort of that changeover between the second and third round and sort of knowing what needed to be done then to ultimately take that third round? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I was just again like that day. It was just my day, and I was super dialed in. And I just as soon as that round happened, like even just walking back to the stool, like to sit and listen to Ryan, I was already thinking to myself, like it doesn't matter. Like it's just like. If you told me before the fight, it's just, you know, one one going into the last round, winner takes all, I'd be like, you know, I'd be content with that and know that like, you know, it's like there to fight for and it's in my control now. And I you know, I can win the fight with two minutes of like good fighting. And um again, like when sat down with Ryan and he was just really good at getting me to calm down and just saying to me, like, you know, doesn't matter, seven nil, two nil, ten nil, like doesn't make a difference, just focus on the next round. We're doing good things and just obviously gave me some tactical advice and came out blazing and did well in the last round. Was that the most satisfying of all the round wins? I mean, obviously the next round you win, you're guaranteed a medal, which I'm sure is fantastic. But I mean, to be able to sort of get revenge on, on the previous year's world champ, knock out the reigning world championship. I mean, I can't imagine that's not a bit satisfying. Uh, it was definitely very satisfying, but I don't think it compares to securing the medal. I think that that moment when I realized I just medaled at a world champ, so I just went crazy. Like it was the best feeling I've ever had. But um, yeah, definitely incredible feeling. Probably second best feeling I've ever had after a fight. <laughs> I'm, I'm always just so fascinated in sports where like if you win a quarterfinal, because like, you, you, you're guaranteed a medal, it's, it's similar to say like a boxing at the Olympics where if you make the semis, you lose, there's no third, play, third place bout, you, you're guaranteed a medal. Which, I mean, is that elation that you're saying that you secured a medal, but again, the job's not done. You, you haven't gone there to lose a semi-final and win a bronze. You've gone there to win the gold. So I can imagine, is it a, a mix of emotions once you've recovered from that elation of, I've got the medal, but again, job's not done. I want it to be a better color than bronze. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a mix of emotions. Like, I, I definitely let myself enjoy it for a bit. Like I have so much hard work that I put in and had that medal in sight. And yeah, I guess um, I had to let myself enjoy it for a bit. So I can you know, embrace like, with my teammates, friends like everyone just you know get more hard like reflected on it a bit and there's that break now because like between the quarters and the semis there's like a two and a half two hour break so i let myself enjoy it for a bit and you know after a while i kind of just walked away from everyone and just sat by myself and just kind of just like pep talking myself and just saying to myself like you know like you said job's not done and have to focus and you know there's no point in coming this far to just throw it throw it away in the semi-final because like if I lose because I've lost the the better man and stuff, that's perfectly fine, which was the case. But um, if I had been content with that medal and then gone into the semis and not tried and given up and stuff like that, then that like I wouldn't be able to live with myself. So kind of just you know sat down, and made sure that I was in the right state of mind to try and you know approach the rest of the tournament and fight for a gold medal and hopefully win a gold medal. And unfortunately that wasn't the case. But yeah, I definitely had that where I had to raise like kind of just recenter or just gather myself and like you know focus on the next goal because it's in that opposite of that mixed emotions bag whereas before you're kind of like boom yes i've won a, i've won a medal but okay focus on the next fight then the next time around it's like damn i've lost it i'm not going to win a goal but then it probably comes back up like well actually i've just won a medal so like at the end of the day i've, I've still achieved a, a pretty big moment for myself yeah exactly like after the semis again like i was really upset for like maybe 45 minutes and everyone's coming up to me saying like like, you know, why are you upset? You've meddled, like, you'd be happy, like, it's, it's okay. Um, but, but initially, like, it was always going to burn me, like, you know, not winning that fight. Um, 
but I, like I but already by that night, like I was just like it started slowly sinking. It hadn't sunk in yet, but it started slowly like sinking. Like, holy shit, I just you know won a world champs medal, and uh, definitely like I, I was thinking more about that than I was about losing the semi. Which are you aware going into that about? the drought for Australia at world championships, or is that when somebody taps you on the shoulder and go, Hey, it's been 10 years since Carmen won uh, a gold. And it's obviously been what, uh, eight, 18 years or my massa correct there. Um, since Daniel won a medal back in, in Madrid. So like kind of, are you aware of that? Or is that when somebody tells you afterwards? Um, I wasn't aware exactly how long the drought was, but I knew there was a drought. Like I knew we had a one of world championships in a long time. Oh, one of world championships medal, sorry, in a long time. Um, but I didn't know the exact years. So, um, I found that out later. Like people started saying, "Like, Leon, you just won like the first medal in ten years." Oh, cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Great reaction. Cool. All right. Yeah. Like it's a good start, but also probably like it would be better if we just like, like oh, I don't. I'm not happy that we didn't win a medal in ages because I got to make history. Like, but um, yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. It, it's just um, it's it's a cool thing to be able to say, but. It's not something I knew going into it. It's the most, I think that might be the most Australian answer ever to getting told a statistic, right? Like, yeah, cool, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it works well. And, and sort of does more of that moment hit you when you're on the podium and the medal gets put around the neck and you're sort of you're, you're holding it. I mean, there's a great photo of you on your Instagram where you sort of got the medal around the neck and a great post sort of saying about what that meant to you. But like, does that make it a little bit more like, okay, this is it's here. This is the medal. Those little moments, they mean so much. Like, I like... I, I, even just like looking back on it or thinking back on it, just like remembering little moments that happened during the day. And, um, and like, it's just beautiful to look back on. It. And that's one of those moments I could be like being on the podium, um, alongside like, you know, the other three best people in the world next to me. Like it's, um, it's a really good feeling and probably like something I'll cherish forever. Like, I won't ever forget, forget it. So good moment to do it though. Of course, a year out from the Olympics. Is there another world championships before Paris next year? Or is this the last world championships before Paris? Wow. So that, I mean, I guess, does it help you in terms of something like pressure? Like, or does this sort of give you more confidence? Like, like kind of how do you look at sort of winning a medal at a world championship before an Olympic Games? Um, it gives me confidence going into any tournament I, after I'm qualified for or enter now. So like going into any tournament, like even after that, like we had the Korean Open where I did well, um, I went into that tournament with like, the confidence of a world championship medalist, which again, I've always been confident, but it's different. Like knowing that other people know you're a world championship medalist, it gives you like a bit of a boost where you know, like the other person knows they're in for a tough fight. And, you know, you can, uh, uh, you can kind of capitalize on that and assert like your dominance early in a fight and put the pressure on someone. And, you know, like they're going to feel that. And they're also going to know in the back of their mind that you're a good fighter. You've medaled at world championships. And, um, that's something you can definitely like use to your advantage. I feel. You say you do well at the Korean Open. I mean, you win a gold medal, so I mean that's uh, pretty well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that I believe is also quite prestigious, though, right? To to win the Korean Open. Yeah, it's um. I don't know again. Again, I don't know exactly how long it's been, but I'm pretty sure that uh, there, has, there hasn't been an Australian that's won gold at the Korean Open in a long time. The last person I know of that did it was my coach Ryan Kanawi. I don't know if there was someone else after that. There could be, but um, yeah, it's it's common i know you're a big advocate for sort of promoting the sport of taekwondo and, and getting more aussies aware of it out there i mean how important is it for australia to to come home with the medal of the world championships to help with that promotion have you seen sort of something come from that so far or is it still a work in progress that we need to kind of take your achievements and and everybody else is achieving great things in taekwondo of course 
to to help grow the sport more in Australia? Yeah, um, I'm I'm like I'm not sure if it's directly done something yet. I've been told by a lot of people, like a lot of coaches that I respect a lot within Australia, that like the my achievements like a big deal for Australian Taekwondo and like for the youth, which like I I know it is. I just I, I don't know exactly what it's done as to date, but um, yeah, I, I definitely like. I definitely felt as soon as like I'd achieved that and I got all the like I felt the love and support back like from back home in Australia from other people that perhaps I haven't even spoken to before in the top one community. Um but yeah, I, I I had in my mind like as soon as I had finished that, like I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, I really hope that this can motivate like younger fighters from Australia that have like a lot of untapped potential or that maybe even like have potential and they're not sure if it's worth continuing because of how much publicity the sport has and stuff like that. I um I definitely like it's it's definitely a thought that I've had that I hope that it um it really motivates people to keep going, keep pushing and like pursuing their dreams within the sport. Um and yeah, I guess um I've felt the support in a lot of other ways. So like I held I held a fundraiser like a few weeks ago where we had a lot of kids from Victoria come and support myself and one of my teammates, Bailey. Um, so yeah, I, I def- definitely feel the love from like the younger generation, and I like I just hope that like that result that I've had can boost their morale. But again, I think the big thing will be securing a medal at the Olympics. If one of someone from our team can do that, that's World Championships is huge, and like a lot of people would argue, World Championships is a hard event to medal at than within the Olympics. But the Olympics is just has that prestige where, um, yeah, if you can medal at the Olympics, the whole country's eyes are on you, and you boost the sport much more. An example of that I would say would be something like boxing recently with Harry Garside because it had been so long since we'd won a boxing medal, since the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, not, it's not that nobody paid attention to boxing during Olympics, but for him to win that medal and to kind of see that level of, I guess, attention he's received in the last, you know, two years, it's grown the sport and a lot more people are aware of boxing. So I think that obviously, as you say, eyes come to a sport where, it's not that Australians aren't aware that Taekwondo exists at the Olympics and we've had success in the past. It's just been so long that we kind of need a bit of a boost to get it back out there, don't we? Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Which is also, in, when we're in that transitional period for a lot of these sports as well, and we've talked to a lot of athletes from some of these sports where we're nine years out from a home Olympics, of course, in Brisbane. So by you having this medal and talking to those athletes that you're saying that might inspire them, they're kind of in that period where if they do well enough and they've got the talent that, they could be walking out in that mat in Brisbane at a at a home Olympics next to you, of course, Leon. Because I mean, you're still very young. I think you'd barely be thirty one. No, you'd only be thirty that year. You're still going to be very, very young by then. Yeah, I'm not not sure if I'm going to be like going, but like going still at the Olympics. It just depends on like what shape I'm in. If my body's up for it, and I'm still performing. Like, why not? But um, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm just super motivated to be honest for myself or any other uh, of the Australian team. Um, to be able to qualify for the Olympics and then put in a performance at the Olympics where they can medal. Because like, if we can do that, um, it, again, like it boosts the viewership of our sport and like the attention on our sport also hopefully would lead to more funding towards Taekwondo. And there's so much potential with like, the youth of Taekwondo in Australia. There's so many fighters that I know of that like, are like, incredible and have an incredible amount of talent. And like with that support, um, with that support, like the monetary support, to, you know, just put more folks into training and not have to work as many hours and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, myself and also these young athletes that are coming up, uh, if they had that going into Brisbane, like we, we can do big things in Taekwondo for sure. Two 
questions on Paris. The first being that obviously weight divisions are spread a little bit differently at an Olympics versus a world championships. You've obviously got a lot more categories at a world championships and there's only the four at the Olympics. So given your category, the lightweight, so I believe that's up to 74 kilograms for the world championships. But then for the Olympics, you've got 68 kilos for featherweight, 80 kilos for worldweight. So do you drop weight to go to featherweight or do you gain weight to go into worldweight? Um, I gain weight. So I uh, immediately after the world championships, I said to myself, I'm fighting 80 for the rest of the year because I want to develop into the body of an under 80 fighter because that's a transition in itself. Um, and then, yeah, so since then, like every tournament I've done has been under 80. So Korean Open, um, all the Grand Prix, everything I've done after the world championships has been minus 80. And I'll continue to do so leading into hopefully the Olympics if I qualify. And on that, on the qualification, beautiful segue, what is the process between now and Paris to get that spot for the Olympics? Um, so the, there's a selection committee and they will decide who to select based off results throughout this year and also start of next year. So start of next year, we have the US Open and Canada Open. Um, so those tournaments as well as a collective of the tournaments from this year, they will sit down, look at who's performed and pick a team based on that. And, and once, once we're selected, we have to go to those China selections. So right. I'm hypothetically picked, I will go and fight. Um, so again, so we can only choose two division, two male divisions out of four mm-hmm. and female divisions out of four. And whatever two divisions we choose, we choose to select, or Shelley chooses to select, we'll go and fight at the Oceania selections against any other people in that weight division that Oceania countries have selected, and then you have to win gold at that. Other, so the quotas are already secured for Australia in a way, like as in like we can choose between two of the four, or do we have to yet to secure those quotas to get that choice? If that makes sense. So we can choose two males, two females. Yep. So, and then. Yeah, those four people have to go and win the Oceania selection event. Got it. Right. Okay. All four win, then we have four Olympics. Got it. Got it. Which I can imagine, though, bronze medal from the World Championships, pretty good on the resume to kind of maybe help that selection committee look at you a little bit differently, just possibly, Leon. (laughs) So, but that's not not up to me. My focus is just to go into every tournament, perform, outperform everyone. Um, and to be honest, my my outlook really isn't to outperform um, like other Australians. Like it's always, I've always felt like it's like you know us against the world or me against the world. And for me, it's just like I want to perform against these other countries and do well. If these if those performances turn out to qualify qualify me for the Olympics, then fantastic. Like that's my dream. If not, it doesn't matter. Like we just keep moving. So. And and on that, you I mean you're keeping moving. Obviously, I mean we're talking a little bit off air about sort of what what you're up to at the moment, and obviously we're recording this uh, about a week or so before Christmas. But you know, I'm, I can imagine sort of New Year. You're talking about the US Canadian Open. I mean, sort of, you, you, it never stops. It seems like straight onto a plane in January, and they're just kind of very busy. I guess between then and and July. Yeah, it's like end of January or early February that we have um, the Canada and US Open. But yeah, no break. Like it's like I can't. Even, like I'm not. I can't afford to have like a break now. Even I'm just you know still going and train, like continuing to do gym throughout the Christmas period. Um, I won't really have a break at all. I'm taking a small break from Taekwondo training just to get my body right. But yeah, just still going into the gym every day and doing recovery, doing like all the right things, and but not really taking my eye off the ball. Well, just on the on the weight given the, the transition that you've sort of got to increase the weight, does that come mainly from muscle or is it the nutritional side of things that it kind of has to come from food? Like kind of where's the balance in when you've got to actually put on weight to go to a different weight division? 
Yeah, so like we have nutritionists at the Victorian Institute of Sport, the club I've spoken to, and they've given me like a plan and like you know guide to what I should be eating and how I should be approaching it. But mainly just like getting into a calorie surplus, eating more food, and then out of that food, making sure like the correct amount of it is protein, so that I can actually develop that muscle mass, ensuring that the right a correct amount of it is carbohydrates, so that I have the energy to burn when I'm doing like cardio sessions or. Um, you know, conditioning sessions where I need that energy. And it's just a like, yeah, just have to make sure I get my diet right, eat the right amount of food, um, you know, just doing all the right things, I guess. I can imagine that's a bit of fun though, when like, because a lot of the time it's all about losing weight, right? Whereas if all of a sudden it's like, hey, Leon, you've got to put on weight, eat more food. I can't imagine that's sometimes a bad thing. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's great. But um, again, also, like, I'm, I want to get to the point where come Olympics, I'm like 84, 85, 86 kilos, like something like in a position where I have to be cutting weight for minus 80 because, you know, having doing that weight cut, obviously the weight cut isn't pleasant, but um, if your natural weight is higher and you're like making weight and then jumping back up in weight, it's um, it's an advantage. Like it's a, it's a big strength advantage and it comes in handy with the what are the, what are the food like? Pasta is that one of the foods that kind of helps you with the, the weight gain? Like, is there a specific food that does help? Trying to get my carbs, and I'll be having pasta, rice with my meat. I'll be like, I eat a lot of red meat, so I'll be eating like steak. I'll be eating a lot of chicken as well. Um, Does not sound bad at all. <laughs> Side to stay healthy, and, yeah. That works. That works a treat. I will get to some closing questions in a moment. Some fun sort of get to know yourself questions. But two things I want to touch on. One's a bit of fun, but one I want to learn a little bit more about the Sports Hall of Fame scholarship because these these are great initiatives. Obviously, they they're awarding a lot of these each year but i mean sort of what does this do for you how does this help you out because i can imagine that getting a bit of a boost from a scholarship like this does help you on your journey towards the olympics yeah for sure for sure so yeah that that scholarship like it's a like there's a pot of money there that i can use to like um directly for stuff that will improve my performance or improve my training or stuff like that so um like probably sit down with the coaches starting next year and decide like how I want to use that five thousand dollar, um, like where I want to like target to use that money to like improve myself uh, leading into hopefully the Olympic Games, um, uh, and then also um, there's like the mentorship side of it as well. So you like um, you get mentored by people from this. Who's your other. mentor? Who do you get mentored by? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I haven't found out yet, but um, hopefully. Well, I'm sure like whoever it is will be a great help. It's pretty exciting though, isn't it? Because I know sort of in the past speaking to recipients of it and some of the people get matched up on, because it's not like you're just probably going to get matched up with like Lauren Burns or, you know, that like that. Not that that wouldn't be a bad thing, but like, you know, you're often getting paired up with a, a literal legend of Australian sport in another field, which from what we've learned on the show is a great help because they can give you a different outlook on certain things and that. So, I mean, that's probably going to be a bit exciting to see who you get paired up with. Yeah, definitely. Exciting. Anybody you want? Is it? Have you looked at the Hall of Fame and gone, "Oh yeah, that'll be all right." Not really. I, I think I just have to respect them all very much, and like whoever I get, I'm sure they'll have very valuable advice to give me, and I'll be able to take that on board and use it to improve myself. Great answer, Wayne Carey. I'm assuming would be there somewhere. There's a North Melbourne fan, you know, just putting it out <laughs> there. Maybe just just saying that. Sort of. The other one I got to touch on. We're we're, we're um, recently introduced a mascot to off the podium. Leon, he's a, a great new mascot. Now, I, I'm trying to get some uh, some opinions and also some trying to use him for inspiration. So I want to introduce you to our mascot. Now, first of all, can you see what he is? Can you tell me what he is? Uh, 
what is he? Fill me in here. <laughs> He's a chair. Oh, okay. Sorry, I haven't, I haven't seen that angle yet. Oh, sorry. there we go. Sorry, I should pull him out a little bit. There, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is yeah. Cherry. Now he's gone through a lot of adversity. He was thrown across a room in a in a, a bad case of abuse, but he's come back. As you can see, he's won a medal. Now I'm just trying to use this as inspiration for our guests on the show heading into Paris next year. How inspiring yeah. is Cherry to help you towards success in Paris next year? Very inspiring. I think I think this is going to be the reason I medal now. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to that now. Uh, now that you say that, uh, how about if we? somehow can get a, another version of Cherry for you to maybe use as a good luck charm in Paris to help you get one of these with all the Paris insignia on it. How would that sound? That would be great. I'll, I'll definitely be bringing that with me to Paris. All right. Yeah. I, I expect the gold medal around your neck in Paris next year when you're like, you're, the tears are streaming down your face with Advanced Australia Fair. I want you to remember this moment right now and think of Cherry. Will do. Okay, good. Holding you to that. Thank you, Cherry, for your appearance. He'll go and have a sleep now. Uh, now, we close out every single interview with a set of get-to-know-you-style questions. As always, these are based on Team Canada questionnaire. They gave their athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. As always, there is an optional drawing element if you want. Leon, how are your drawing skills? Terrible. Terrible. That's what we like to hear. So if you want to put those terrible drawing skills to use... You can send them in to me. We can put them on our social media. You can draw what you think the coolest Olympic medal would look like. Uh, now, I'm basing this off uh, Canadian wrestler Danielle Lepage, and she has drawn a picture of a medal that says, with this medal, one will receive a lifetime of free McDonald's. So, sounds all right. I, I, I would be down for that. Um, draw a picture of yourself. Nice drawing here that she's done. And... Always draw a picture of a Canadian animal, but of course for us it would be an Australian animal. Or if you'd really want to draw a Canadian animal, you're welcome to. So if you got the time, Leon, you're welcome to, all right? Just saying. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, you don't have to, but it's nice if you do. Uh, we'll start off with the first question here. To you, who is the greatest Olympian of all time? You say Bolt. Oh, great answer. Love it. Straight to the point. I like it. Uh, we kind of touched on this before, but I don't know if we got an actual answer of what the first one you watched. What was the first Olympics you remember watching? First Olympics I remember watching. I don't remember any details of it, so don't quiz me on it, but I do remember watching Beijing. Okay. All right. That's that's good. I was a bit scared if you went London because it, it just ages me very, very badly. But uh, I can accept Beijing. You were like, what, five, six? So no, no, not too bad. <laughs> I was actually at London, though. I did go to London. Oh, you did go to London? You went? Yeah. Wow. Did you actually did you go to Taekwondo or like what did you see? I did, I did go to Taekwondo on one of the days, but I was either 11 or 12. So, again, don't remember a big like, chunk of it, but I remember being there. I don't remember certain things about it. Is that yeah. like when you go, when you're on the ground there and sort of on that Olympic dream, like getting to sort of experience it as a fan and kind of seeing what it's like in person, is that an inspiration? Yeah, for sure. And like, I went there like pretty much like, like a few years before I made the sports academy. So that was kind of what planted the first seed for the Olympic dream for me. And then wow, yeah, great Olympics to go to as well. That's a that's a good one to experience. I can imagine. Fantastic. Uh, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? Oh, yeah, putting on the spot, guys. Oh. <laughs> that's what we like. Do you want? Do you need Cherry? I can get Cherry for inspiration for the answers. Superheroes, superheroes. Uh, I'd say, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to be because of like the attributes that come with it, but I like Spider-Man, so I'll say Spider-Man. Okay, I like it. Sp it'd, it'd be pretty pretty good in Taekwondo, Spider-Man, Agile. Yeah, Agile, yeah. Yeah, 
kind of words. Uh, your favourite ice cream flavour is? Oh, salted caramel. Oh, I love it when somebody doesn't have to think and they just they just know it. Great answer. Yum. Are you an ice cream fan? Is that like a guilty pleasure? Definitely. And how yeah. much are you allowed on the diet for ice cream though? <laughs> These days, a bit more than before. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good way of looking at it. Yes. Just keep going up a weight division for every Olympics, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going all the way to heavyweight, basically. Um, if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? Oh, oh, this is hard. Um, what would my walkout music be? Oh, I listen to a lot of UK rap, so maybe something by Stormzy. Okay, I know what song, but something by Stormzy, maybe that works. Are you allowed to have walk-up music in certain events, like when you walk out to the to the mat? Finals or semi-finals, you get walkout music, but you don't choose it. Oh, really? You don't choose it? What? How does that work? Like, okay, you're listening to this song, stuff it. You you, you get no choice. Oh, they'll just play, like, they, they play it through the speakers as you're walking out for those fights. Right. Uh, and then they'll just play what they play. That's still, like, I don't know how that would work in a way that, like, what if they play, like, I don't know, like, you hate Taylor Swift. And then all of a sudden they're playing Taylor. You're just like, what the fuck? This is not getting me in the right zone, right? Like, I mean, that's a bit unfair. If you, maybe there's like the if it's a if you're up against somebody from the home country, they're gonna like put you off, right? That's pretty funny. No, I've 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 been content with my music choices so far. <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad. All right. Um, what's the best nickname you've ever been called? Oh, jeez. Um, well. Coach, our, our coach now is, um, he just always, every, every time I walk into a room, just takes the mic out of me and starts, just calls me a world championship bronze medalist. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's <laughs> every time I walk in, he'll just say it. So I guess it's a good nickname to have. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think there could be worse. I like that though. Is it like on a megaphone? Like, ladies and gentlemen, your world championship bronze medalist. <laughs> nah, he just like says it subtly every time and everyone laughs. So yeah. Just, I think I think you need to just like, uh, you know, turn it up and just wear it one time. Just be like, hey, well, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, remember like, you know, back in the days, like Kurt Angle, I think in wrestling when he won an Olympic gold medal, so he'd walk out to the mat with a, a fake Olympic gold medal. Be like, yeah, I've won a, I've won a medal. Do that. Rub it in his face. <laughs> like, you never won one of these. Exactly. You know, I, I think there's revenge there, Leon. You're welcome. Um, if there was a movie about your life, who would play you? I have no idea for this one. <laughs> this is really hard. I, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't know. I have no idea. You stumped me here. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to say I could use the answer here that Danielle gave, but she said Jennifer Lawrence. So don't really see a resemblance. <laughs> but it's 2023, it's diversity, right? Why not cast a Jennifer Lawrence playing you? Uh, you know, we'll do that. Uh, we we kind of touched on this really already, but uh, the question, your guilty pleasure snack is is it ice cream or do you have others? Um, it would be chocolate. Oh, I'm best to cut it out. To be honest, I'm trying to eat clean. So <laughs> we won't tell anyone. You're just making me think about it now. You're not healthy. But... <laughs> <laughs> take it back. Take it back. We want that gold next year. All right? No, no, no chocolate. No chocolate. What? What is your go-to chocolate though? Like a are, are you dark, a milk, a white, something else? Uh, it's most of the time I'll have just like. Really, like, it's pretty basic, but just like Cadbury milk chocolate. But um, I do like caramel, like a Kit Kat gold. Like, I'm ch- trying to change it up and I'll go with that. I, I, I've been keto basically all year and I'm about to have a couple of weeks off. And I bought myself a block of caramel chocolate the other day so that I'm, when I'm off keto, I'm having caramel because 
caramel's pretty darn good. So I, I, I'm with you there. If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Um, what would I be if I wasn't an athlete? I enjoy coaching a lot, but I guess that's come from me being an athlete. Like my other, like my field that I want to pursue after after competing, like after my competing career is done, is to go into either taekwondo coaching or SNC coaching. Um, yeah, I'd say one of those two things. Not not exactly sure. I haven't like set my mind on anything yet, but I'm, like I do just enjoy being in an interactive environment where. Um, you know, I'm coaching people, helping people get better. It's, like, it's rewarding for me as well. So I'd say that for sure. Good answer. I like it. What is the most recent TV show that you binge watched? Um, that I've finished binge watching was Power. Okay. Currently, I'm going to probably cop slack for this, but I've only just started watching How I Met Your Mother. Nah. Like I've had people say to watch it and it's hilarious. So it's good, isn't it? It's good. I'm on How I Met Your Mother at the moment, but... Yeah, it's a, it's it's a great show. Uh, I I am glad that it, I love it. Like when people can discover like classic shows that maybe you know they hear a lot about, and then they kind of go through it. So I'm intrigued to see maybe maybe Barney can be an inspiration for the Olympics. I don't know if he can be an inspiration. Probably a bad. But scrap that. Ne- never mind. I never said that. Um, <laughs> your favorite place. I, I need to bring Cherry back for moments like this. Your favorite place in the world to compete in is. Oh, just. Oh, I, I want to say Azerbaijan just because like that's where I like won my medal. But if we're talking about like my favorite place I've been and there's been a competition there, uh, I'd say probably Rome. I really enjoyed Rome this year. Okay. Nice. I mean, it's not bad when you get to travel these great places. I, I, on your Instagram, I love the photos of you in Paris and you've kind of literally got a picture of you in front of an Eiffel Tower saying like 2024. So kind of uh, using that as uh, inspiration. Your favorite video game is? Ah, my favorite video game. Uh Probably FIFA. It's pretty basic, but yeah. I like it. No, it's it's good. Uh, your biggest fear in life is deep question. I would say not achieving my goals, but not not because of, like if I put like put all my effort into something and like I come up short, that's fine. But I think if I if I um if I don't push myself to the extent that I know I'm capable of, and if I slack off and cheat myself and I don't like achieve the things that I'm capable of, that would like, I wouldn't be able to live with that. So great answer. I like it. Inspirational too. Uh the last one for you today, Leon. What is one thing you cannot live without? Oh. You can say cherry. Say cherry. You can't live with him. He's in the gold medal next year. Come on. Say my dad's cooking. <laughs> Good answer. All right. What what's what's his go to dish? Like what 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 are your specialities? Steak with mushroom sauce. Medium Good. So that basically you're saying this diet is amazing because it's just like, dad, you have to cook me a steak. Otherwise I'm not going to the Olympics. The diet's the reason I, I'm where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> That's I the only reckon. reason. Genuinely a big part of it, I reckon. So, uh... <laughs> that, that is fantastic. I love hearing that. Leon, before we let you go, people want to stay up to date with your journey between now and the Olympics and beyond. Social media, where can people stay up to date with your career? Um, yeah, so uh, my Instagram, Leon Seranovic. Um, that's like where I'm most active. I'll post a bit on Facebook as well, not that much though. Um, and yeah, if anyone, like in terms of support wise, there's um, I have like my sponsors, uh, AKU Australia. They have, um, well, I'm wearing one of the tops now, but um, there's a red top and a, uh, sorry, there's this green top and there's another red top. And they're like supported, supported tops for myself um, for my journey towards hopefully competing at the Olympic Games. Um, and yeah, like proceeds from the top sold um, 
come to me. Um, and like that again, they help me be able to like fund my tra- uh, fund myself when I'm overseas and not being able to work part time to you know have money to support myself and all that stuff. So brilliant. Yeah, anyone wants to support, feel free. Don't have to, but um, yeah, we'll follow. link it. We'll link it on on the show notes for people to to check it out. And obviously, with this post, so people can uh, get on board and and help you out because obviously we're we're going to cross all those fingers and toes and all the other things that we can do in the lead up to Paris next year, Leon. But it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you on the show and, and learn about your journey. Good luck with that. And I'm sure we will get you on the show end of next year with that gold medal around your neck. How does that sound? I hope so. That's definitely the goal and an incentive as well. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and remember the other incentive. Come on. He's here. He's waiting for you. Come on. So <laughs> remember, <laughs> I'll bring him to Paris. <laughs> And a huge thank you for Leon for joining us on the show today. A fantastic chat. As always, if you enjoyed listening to this, you can see the video version now available on our YouTube channel. Loved learning from Leon there, sort of the the mentorship that he has received from Ryan Canelli, of course, 2008 Olympian. And also just the, the, love, for, the love for Daniel Trenton as well, because as I said, sort of in that interview, no, no disrespect, of course, to Lauren Burns' achievements, which are still outstanding to win a gold medal, but often people outside of taekwondo really do forget that we did win another medal at those Olympics as well. And uh, the legacy that Daniel Trenton, no doubt, as we have learnt there, brought to the sport in Australia as well. So fingers crossed going forward for Leon, not only to qualify for Paris and get that spot to make his Olympic debut, that we can break this drought, that we can go ahead and after 24 long years come home with a medal in the sport of Taekwondo. Of course, that might be from Stacey as well. If you liked uh, listening to this chat, we had Stacey Heimer on a couple of weeks ago as well to talk about Taekwondo, both fantastic chats. And we obviously are very excited to see how that goes in Paris. And the inspiration of Cherry. We now know that if he gets gold, where that inspiration has come from. So I'm all on board for this. The Cherry train is pumping on through the station. So thanks, Leon for that of course you can subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed listening to it throughout all the regular podcast channels social media as well to stay up to date with everything we've got send us a message we'd love to hear what you think of the show and if you've got any guests that you would love to hear come on the show we would definitely love to hear from you along the way next week kicking things off straight into it for 2024 and we are going into another athlete interview with another guest who's in with a real chance of winning an Olympic medal. Matthew Hauser, Australian triathlete, Tokyo Olympian, did compete in Tokyo, aiming for his second Olympics. He's all but qualified for the Paris Olympics, essentially secured a quota by finishing eighth at the World Championships in 2023. Has to kind of get it all rubber stamped by the selection committee, but he's essentially there for his second Olympics. But a genuine challenger for an Olympic medal and become possibly Australia's first ever male triathlete to win an Olympic medal. No male triathlete has ever won a medal at the Olympics for Australia. And Matt gives a great chat next week about his career, his journey, and obviously the hopes ahead of Paris coming into that. And in a couple of weeks' time, of course, we are getting into Olympic mode early. The Gangwon Youth Olympics are happening. The Winter Youth Olympics are happening in only a couple of weeks' time. So we'll be covering that each week they are on. And in the lead-up to those, we will have a very special guest as well to talk a little bit more about those. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. 
and then we move into some great stuff into 2024. Busy, busy year for us with some great new things coming, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Leon. Remember to follow him on Instagram and buy one of his shirts too. They're a fantastic looking shirt and help him towards that journey. Do all the things I've already said about social media subscribing. Birmingham Bull, go left. You took the words right out of my mouth. We didn't find out what his favourite meatloaf song was, but it's all right. We can we can find out that when he's got the gold medal around his neck as well. But uh, thanks for tuning in to Off the Podium. My name is Ben, and as always, remember to go left. <laughs>